Yeah, and really that's what we were thinking about. Like we were looking at it's like because people are going to be treating it like a meet and greet, they're not going to see a concert per se. It's like – and you kind of touched on all the stuff that we were already thinking about. Like people yeah. are going to be confused. They come and we're playing these weird songs. They don't know the context. It's not necessarily our audience. And the easy answer was like, well, it's an hour-long show. We have Swords, which is an hour of music. And we did the Swords album release three and a half years ago. It just kind of all lined up. It's like, yeah, let's just play Swords and – It'll be a blast for us, and hopefully the people that came specifically for that will love it. And then the people that don't know what's going on can also not have to be worried about what am I watching. What the hell is that? Stone on Air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on Air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on Air coming up. Stone. All right, welcome in to the Stone on Air podcast. It is April 27th. Those are the words from Nick Lutzko, who will be my guest on today's show for a good portion, a majority of it, over two-thirds of the show, which I will lay out here shortly. The greatest month in the world is almost over, but we still have another full weekend plenty to get to and let's get started oh i don't know i'm looking at my wrist as if there's a watch i don't know let's start i don't maybe right now this is the supposed for-profit venture known as a stone on air podcast the midweek download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga and surrounding areas. My name is Brian Stone. If you're new here, I'd like to think there's a couple of you. I will lay things out for you right now. This is a every Thursday download. It is primarily things going on in the Southeast or so, but sometimes national stories. Today we'll be talking to Nick Lutzko here, a local Chattanooga guy who has a much further reach than just the scenic city. So if you are here just for Nick, at about 20 after, uh, just jump to that point, and that's when the uh, the rest of the show, two-thirds of the end, will be me and Nick talking uh, about a, a variety of different things. But I do implore you to stick around here on the front. It's only 20 minutes or so. I'll have three pieces of audio, which are all coming from Nick Lutzko's uh, TikTok. So it's um, it, it, might, it might benefit you to stick around. It might not. Whatever you want to do. It is up to you. So that's kind of the good and the bad of in a situation like this. If you don't care a single thing in the world about some dude who plays silly-ass music on uh, on the computer, as he calls it, songs from the computer, his uh, records that have been put out over the last couple of years and have had huge success almost internationally. Again, we'll talk about all these things here later on in the show. If you don't have any interest in that, then the show's not going to do a whole lot of good for you. But uh, Nick's a good friend of mine. I saw him going places at a very early age, um, or, well, early age, at an early stage of his uh, career, I should say, anyway. And when I launched this show, Stone On Air, in um, January of 2016, so the, the planning for it started in 2015, I had never met Nick yet. And this show was all about local music, arts, entertainment. It was a strictly only 
For This City podcast. It originated on a radio station that I used to love. It was completely beloved. It was my favorite thing in the world, and they're a bunch of assholes now. We don't do that anymore, and now they're uh, one, you know, off in the in the back corner gathering dust and as irrelevant as anything else in this town. And eight years later now, this show is still on a weekly basis and gathers more and more listeners every single week. And I am uh, proud to do it and happy to have you on board. So I knew Nick was going places immediately. The minute I, I met the guy, listened to his music and saw what he was all about and what he was doing, selfishly, right, I said, this is a guy I need to get to know, get to know him well, stay in touch and um, always be able to ride his coattails if there's ever an opportunity for it. And he never doesn't answer the call. He never doesn't answer the text. I think this is about the fifth or sixth time, maybe seventh or more times that he's been on the show, and it's always fun. So that's coming up here in about 15 minutes or so from right now. Uh, a few things here, a recap of the 420 weekend. I call it the 420-plus weekend here in the city of Chattanooga. A glorious, wonderful weather weekend. I had a, um, uh, they, we had a bunch of rain come in Friday night, but outside of that, it, cooler temperatures, bright sunshine all weekend. Thursday, 420 was great. Friday into Saturday, getting ready for record store day at Yellow Racket Records. Thank you, Yellow Racket. What a selection. What a selection. I'm not a huge vinyl guy, but I do like exclusiveness. I do like holidays. I, even if they're made up, I do like celebrating the calendar. And I picked up three gems of Record Store Day releases, Pearl Jam, Soul Asylum, and a Patterson Hood, Mike Cooley, Jason Isabel performance from 2014, years after the drive-by truckers had moved on. From Isabel, so that was awesome. Then um, on Earth Day, there was a, a nice gathering at the at Miller Park for Chance in the Void, local Dead cover band. Fantastic evening there. The next day, four two three day, the vintage clothing or vintage what do they call it exactly? The Chattanooga Vintage Market. Uh, the first one was in Coolidge Park. A little chilly. Pretty high prices. I've been a resale shop guy since I was a teenager, and the days of finding really cheap deals on really cool stuff is kind of gone, which is a little annoying. But it was cool. Seemed to be overall a success. And then 423 day at Miller Park as well. I went down there for a couple of minutes. The weather was gorgeous. I you know, kicked around a little bit and then took off. But overall, seemed to be quite a... Um, Quite a successful weekend, and luckily still one weekend left to go here in April 2023, and the Chattanooga market is back this weekend. Now, I am going to likely miss it. I'm not entirely sure yet. I saw through my social media that James McMurtry was playing in Decatur, uh, which is right outside of Atlanta, the Ponce de Leon Arts District up on the square. And um, I've seen music there before. It's pretty hipster in a very good way. And I haven't been there in a long time. And I text my stepbrother who works for an advertising agency in Atlanta, in Decatur. So I didn't really put two and two together immediately. And I said, hey, man, got any interest in going and seeing James McMurtry? He rarely plays around in the South these days. He's getting up there in age. Singer, songwriter writer type. I mean, just quietly one of my favorites. And he said, dude, that's our event. That's our Lens event. L-E-N-Z marketing lens marketing last time i saw a show on the decatur square that was a lens production 
was Patterson Hood from the Drive-By Truckers, and their entire office is the green room in the quote-unquote backstage area, and we hung around with Patterson and other members of the band, and likely that's what we'll be doing again this weekend as the... Uh, it's not just uh, James and Murtry. It's also the headliners are St. Paul and the Broken Bones. And I don't have the list in front of me, two or three others. So I will be in Decatur on Saturday. But since I don't drink anymore, I will very likely come back Saturday night. Because why stay unless I'm just too tired to drive? But I mean, I can barely sleep in my own bed, let alone, you know, get too, quote unquote too tired to drive so very good chance i'll come back saturday night and if that's the case then i'll be down to the chattanooga market on sunday um this was about a week ago but i figured it's still worth mentioning now because i don't think much has changed since the station street issues going on down by the choo-choo i think having the open container allowed to bring drinks onto the street situation might have been a, a be careful what you wish for kind of deal at this point. Um, I know one of the concerns is that people are bringing alcohol onto the street that they don't purchase at the um, at the establishments on the street. I wasn't positive whether that was part of the deal or not. I'm not surprised to hear that it is. Um, there's a lot of trouble late night there. There's weapons. There's fights. There's a lot of uh, police of calls for um, all the things I just mentioned and other things. I, don't, I'm, I didn't even read the story. It's Barry's from uh, the Times Free Press last week. Mayor orders Station Street businesses to close early. You know, a touch of overreach, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but it is a damn shame. It's all I'll say. It is a shame. The Choo Choo is such a wonderful property. That's where we'll be. Many of us will be Tuesday night, May 2nd, for the Let's Go show at the uh, grand reopening, the grand opening of the new Signal music venue that is going to now be located at the Choo Choo. And the the Comedy Catch is great. The backstage bar at the Comedy Catch and some of those other places, Reagan's and Westbound, I'm not really sure what the hell's going on there. We all know that the Blue Light is a cesspool and is uh, owned and operated and run by one of the biggest assholes in the city, Brian Joyce. Um, so, you know, I'm not really sure because I'm never there. Even if I still spend a lot of my time downtown, I still wouldn't be there. So I don't know what the uh, what the commotion and fuss is like on a daily basis, but it sounds like it's pretty crappy, and that sucks. And maybe allowing people to drink in the street is a bad idea. And by the way, here's the deal, too, first of all. Now, I understand I'm a white guy, middle-aged, you know, I've got some privilege here, no doubt. I'm not one that gets mad about that when people mention that. I certainly do. So a lot of people aren't going to mess with me in certain situations. But most people, if you're not doing anything too wrong or generally not going to be bothered, I've been walking around with open containers in cities all over the South for two decades. And that is not hyperbole or an exaggeration. If you want to walk around on the street with a drink in a cup, just do it. <laughs> I don't know why we even needed to necessarily change the law. I, I understand they were trying at the time to gather more of a crowd, more population in that area. Again, be careful what you wish for. But I've been walking around Atlanta, Nashville, Murfreesboro, downtown Chattanooga, Knoxville, Birmingham, places I've been in Florida, New York City. 
Uh, where else? I don't. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. For those of you new, I just stopped drinking not long ago. I used to drink everywhere I went. I did. I didn't let open container laws stop me from drinking on the street. So. Do with that information what you will. The Nightfall lineup is out for our free concert series down at Miller Plaza. Didn't recognize a name on the entire list. Only recognized a couple of the uh, uh, openers, which is actually rare for me, and I just kind of glanced at it. Doesn't matter who's playing Nightfall. It's always fun, so I didn't have that pulled out. But if you want to, quick Google search, and you can find out who's playing at Nightfall this year. I got to mention on the national stage... This Bud Light thing over the trans spokesperson or the TikTok or the whatever the hell it was, this thing's gathered legs that have lasted a lot longer than I thought. When I first saw all this stuff, I thought, this is foolish. No one's going to stop drinking Bud Light. As soon as, you know, something shiny flies by, everybody's going to forget about it. And I work in the beer industry, and our sales have skyrocketed in the last couple of weeks. And Bud Light Draft has plummeted. And packaged beers in all the usual places, all the suspect places like Soddy Daisy, the rural redneck-ass areas, the MAGA-type areas, um, you know, the Kid Rock-loving sections of rural crappy Tennessee. I love this state, but there's so much bad crap around here. And that that's not surprising. But across the board, this thing has not fallen off. There's a lot of people that are still that mad over some crappy light beer. And um, I saw this from the paper the other day, or was it just yet? Maybe might even be today. Chattanooga has third longest commute time to work of any city in Tennessee. I find that almost hard to believe. And I wonder how they how these metrics add up. I know we have traffic around here because of our landscape. It's kind of hard with our interstate, you know, kind of in and out of hills and ridges and stuff. But I've not really thought that our traffic is really noteworthy of, of how terrible it is. But third in the, uh, in the state, Lakeland, a Memphis suburb, at almost 35 minutes one-way commute time. Goodlettsville and Nashville, I have been there. It's very crowded. That's number two. Chattanooga's number three. Johnson City, I've never been to. They're at 31 minutes. These are all within a minute of each other, so they're all congested areas. And then number five is Murfreesboro. And my goodness, if I will do whatever it takes to never go to Murfreesboro again, even though I it, it I cherish it to a certain degree because that's where my college days were. I didn't go to MTSU, but lots of my friends did, and I just lived there for two years, worked full-time, had all the money, and partied like a college kid. And then the joke's on me now, though, because all my friends who have, well, not all of them, but many of them have good jobs that make a lot of money while I'm still sitting over here poor. But, hey, at least we all had a lot of fun. All right, so let's start to shift gears here. I got three pieces of audio, and to be completely honest, the main reason I went towards Nick's audio to do on the show today, well, it works because he's going to be on here shortly, but I couldn't find anything else. TikTok, the algorithm's not working. And Twitter is a complete wasteland of a social media. Couldn't find anything worth a damn. So I went to Nick Lutzko's TikTok. And these are three, um, I'm just calling them Nick 1, 2, and 3. Coolest things, whatever. Uh, the promotions coming up for his spring tour, which starts basically on uh, the 2nd of May here in Chattanooga at the 
the uh, grand opening of the signal. This is the first one of those. Hi, this is a message for fans of Tay and Bay, aka Taylor Swift and Beyonce. I know you guys have been having a hard time trying to secure tickets uh, for their upcoming tours, and it's 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 really rough. But I'm here to share some good news because I, Nick Lutzko, I'm going on my own tour, and uh, these tickets are in far less demand than those tickets. And I'm I can almost guarantee that you can get some if you want them. They're they're uh, much more affordable. And I'm just going to give you three quick reasons why you would love this show. Um, one reason is I'm actually the top entertainer on the web. I won this Webby Award, which is actually more important than the Grammy and many other awards. Uh, the second uh, reason is if you love choreography, you will love the show. I have a cowboy in my band who does a do do every night, and it always brings the, the house down. Um, number three, I've actually collaborated. I wrote a song with Taylor Swift years ago. So we actually go back. Um, anyways, uh, I would love to see you at these shows. And tickets are on sale now at nicklutzko.com. I will come back to that uh, Taylor Swift uh, little clip that he said when him and Taylor Swift collaborated on a song. I'll expand on that here in just a few minutes. Here's the second one. What is this? This is, um, it is, I'm, I'm guessing he's using AI for some of this stuff. It's Nicole Kidman. Uh, voiced spring tour spot and the video helps it but um we'll just go ahead and roll with it the second coolest nick let's go thing we come to this place for magic we come to the nick let's go show for songs for laughs for friendship we come to watch cowboy john make an absolute ass out of himself night after night and just as we're ready to throw rotten fruit at his dumb cowboy head, <laughs> he presses his Judas lips against that golden sax, and we think to ourselves, that bastard, he's done it. We come to see Greasy Rick, and we pray to God that he will be sucked out of the computer in time for this upcoming tour. We Desmond dip as the music <laughs> pours across our bodies. We scream at the top of our lungs, boat parade, boat parade, and we mean it. We come to hear swords, and then we ponder the track listing and realize every song starts with the letter S. Wait a second. Swords. S words. He's so damn clever. Fall time in Tennessee. Joker 2. Joe Biden wants to take your meat. Give me a show on Nick Jr. Cat Piss. Spirit Halloween Trilogy. Spineless. These are all names so of Nick Lutzko's songs. In a place like a Nick Lutzko show, persecution feels good as hell. It's better than any dumb movie. What are you going to go see anyways? Ant-Man? So those of you in New York City, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Cleveland, Ohio, Chicago, um, what in gremlin hell are you waiting for? Order tickets today at <laughs> nicklutzko.com. And for some reason, through a lot of these, there's just so many inside jokes, saying Nick Lutzko and the word tour always gets kind of mispronounced. I don't know where that joke comes from. But there is plenty of it here. This is Trump calling up Joe Biden trying to get tickets to the Nick Lutzko show on his spring tour. This is today's coolest thing. Biden, please. I have tickets to see Nick Lutzko on tour. Please don't let them arrest me before his tour. <laughs> Nick Lutzko, huh? He's going on tour. Please don't let them arrest me before his tour. Hey, 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 calm down, man. Biden, I'm begging you. I need to see tour. What in the hell are you going on about? Please, Biden, please. I need to see Nick Lutzko on tour. 
Nick Lutzko, that kid tried to stop me from getting my meat. Dear God, please don't let them take me to jail. I need to see Nick Lutzko's spring tour so badly. What the hell? They're, you're trying to arrest you? What did you do? I hate jail. I would much rather see Nick Lutzko on tour. <laughs> I don't even know I'm Big sorry. Nick. I just want to uh... get wet and red just like Big Nick and go to Nick Lutzko at nickolutzko.com Who in the hell is this? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This stuff is so funny and I get it if you're like, Brian, there's nothing funny about any of this. Trust me. Thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of views, hundreds of thousands of people uh, think that it is. And it's a remarkable Chattanooga success story. And I will talk to Nick Lutzko. I will play one short one of his little, as I call them, silly ass songs before I dial him up uh, coming up uh, next. This is the uh, th- this is a song that is called Swift Biscuit using words that Taylor Swift has said during interviews and appearances and it's if Taylor Swift sang a song that sounded like Limp Biscuit. This is the kind of stuff he was doing about uh, I don't know, two or three years ago or so. Alright, I'm going to step out of here for just a matter of a couple of seconds and Nick Lutzko is on the Stone On Air Newsmaker line coming up next. It's more important to be edgy and sexy cool than anything Coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Probably the least of you may have been introduced to me through Swords, my record that I did before um, songs on the computer and mostly after Super Deluxe. It is not a comedy record. This is a record that I spent years uh, writing and producing, and then uh, we spent you know a good year, maybe two years in the studio with uh, Greasy Rick and John Elliott and Adam Brown and Jacob Lutzko. A lot of people started saying, uh, what about Swords Vinyl? Let's make some Swords Vinyl. You can order this vinyl. It's at nicklutzko.bandcamp.com. This will win the award for best vinyl, in my opinion. And a lot of people saying, I bought this one, I bought this one. You should buy all of them, frankly, because they're all going to be probably collector's items whenever I'm president uh, officially. I am president of the United States, but one day I'll be recognized as president of the United States and I'll be moved into the White House and then these things, the price of these will skyrocket and will probably be put in the Library of Congress. That is from the official unboxing of the Swords vinyl from his YouTube channel. It's one of my favorite tunes on the new record, Swords. Song's called Software. Light my night light, please let me pretend this is gonna end well. Sorry. So before I get Nick on the line here real quick, so much of this is silliness, so much of it is fun, so much of it is uh, nonsense, and then so much of it is absolute brilliance. And it's all mixed into one big pot, and uh, many, 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 many people get it. Some people only get some of it, and some don't get it at all. So I want to play this one. It's my favorite one. It's several, a couple of years old now. And it really, I don't know if it started all this, but it really started to take off because Chrissy Teigen, whoever she is, she's like a supermodel or something, one of the most followed social media stars in the world or something like that. 
And there are these algorithms, these companies, these um, websites, whatever they are. I've used one before, and then I realized it was a bad idea, and I stopped. But even celebrities use them to follow other accounts to try to get more and more engagement. At least they used two years ago. And I'm guessing that's why Chrissy Teigen's account started following Nick Lutzko's for whatever reason. Some kind of algorithm had that account follow him. Well, once he saw that... He um, then saw that it had unfollowed after he had started interacting, and then he made this song in tribute to Chrissy Teigen following him on Twitter, and then from there, it just continued to blow up, and it was uh, it, it was good stuff. This is uh, about two minutes. Give me that, and then we'll talk to Nick. It's been a hard year. Don't need to list the reasons why. But I can sincerely say. This moment of my life was when Chrissy Teigen followed me on Twitter, but I took it for granted and posted the dumbest shit imaginable. So good. I promise to be normal. I swear I'm not deranged. I'm asking to be cordial. I'm telling you I've changed. Back when life was sweet. Back when life was sweet. Remember I made that funny tweet. I promise I can't make you laugh. With classic life. With classics like I am the Irish man. It's the content you crave. I am the Irish man. I'm going to take my shirt off. I swear I'll behave. I am the Irish man. Hi, Chrissy. I just wanted to say I'll always cherish the time when you followed my page. And uh, if you choose not to follow me back, I forgive you. And uh wish you the best it's just impossible to even begin to try to give any uh or at all of the backstory and uh here we go real quick as i'll dial up on the stone on air newsmaker line and uh joining me now on the stone on air podcast is nick let's go hello my friend how are you i'm doing great brian it's great to hear from you yeah it's been some time i believe the last time we spoke or had any interaction together in any way was at the album release party at the old signal in October of 2019. I could maybe one time since then, but I don't think it has been. Wow. Yeah. I think that sounds right. That's pre pandemic times. Feels like a lifetime ago. It does. And I kind of want to start sort of right there before I go to that direction. Let's just get the commercial out of the way uh, right now. I didn't want to do it just for a commercial, but it works perfectly with the timing the signals yeah. moved over to the choo-choo. You're doing a uh, a free, no cost, $0.00 show for the grand opening of the new location. How did that come about? Were you looking for a gig in town? Did they come to you? How did that, uh, how did that gig come together? Yeah, they just reached out. They told us that they were doing this you know, grand opening of the new location, 
and they asked if we were available and it's kind of smack dab in the middle of we just did a week-long run uh we hit new york city and philadelphia and washington dc and cleveland ohio and chicago and then we have a couple southern dates in may and in june and this was just something that, that happened smack dab in the middle we, we've been kind of choosy about when we wanted to play chattanooga again just because um i don't know when, when, before our last tour or not our last tour but our, we did our first post pandemic show in chicago last year and we really wanted to see if these songs translated in front of an audience before we went up there and played the show and we did a last minute free show at wanderlinger yeah i remember that um yeah and it was a ton of fun but it was just um it was very kind of sporadic and you know these other shows that we've done have had a lot more like kind of a production and the 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 bands has characters and it's the the songs have like storylines that run through them or whatever but it it's always been interesting playing in our hometown because so many people here uh know me just as a guy who's been playing here for over a decade and then when we go to these other cities we're having you know a new audience that is following what i'm doing really closely online and everything else and it's just uh uh, I don't know. We just wanted to really be strategic about what the first big show in Chattanooga was and uh, how to reintroduce ourselves to Chattanooga. Well, I, you're, you're, you're kind of taking some of where I was going to ask already, and we'll just expand on that a little bit. I was going to ask, it, it looks like some of these pretty big size rooms in these massive size cities, you've been doing really well. Have, do you feel like I don't want to say that this is like an indictment on the city here because I love this place just like you do. But do you feel like there's a the appreciation level for what you're doing currently and probably since, you know, post-pandemic and during isn't quite understood, understood or appreciated here as much? Is, is that fair to even ask? I, I, no, I think that's very fair. And I think that is kind of the concern, exactly what I've been dancing around a little bit of. We wanted to really make sure that for whatever the next thing we were going to do in Chattanooga was, we kind of had an opportunity to re-educate people as to what I and the band have been up to over the past couple of years. And uh, the, the, the main reason why I think the Signal Show made sense is because we did do my album release for my album Swords. And this other serendipitous event that just kind of fell into our lap is my Swords vinyl just became available through Needle Juice Records. Okay. And so we're going to be playing that record swords for the first time from front to back. Oh, okay. I hadn't heard that. All right. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And it just seemed like, um, it's something we wanted to do for a really long time. Um, but there is this weird kind of Jekyll Hyde thing that the shows have. Whereas obviously I've been putting out, um, albums for, for years. And then I kind of started doing more comedic and some political satire kind of stuff dur- during the pandemic. And um, I've had success in both ventures. You know, my 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 non-comedy stuff does really well on Spotify and all the other stuff does really well on Twitter and YouTube. And it was a, a real tightrope act trying to figure out how to combine the two. Well, I, pull, a, I pulled your numbers uh, just to have them here available. Uh, I didn't get your Spotify numbers, but 67,000 on Twitter, 107,000 on YouTube, 10 each on Instagram and Facebook as far as followers, fans you know, likes, however you want to uh, uh, categorize that. Um, so the the reach is out there. Let, let's let's back up just a little bit. We'll probably bounce around to these things and come back to them. Um, speaking yeah. of, of October 2019, obviously within the next, what, five months or so, everybody's having to shift in every industry. 
and certainly in the music industry for the next uh, six, eight months, if not upwards of a year of 2020, artists, bands were having to try to to do online content that was um, successful for some, not as much for most, but you had already been doing that since roughly 2017 or so with the uh, College Humor stuff, the um, Why Am I Blanking, Super Deluxe, those kinds of things. Yeah, we yeah. don't have time to reset all those, but you were putting together those videos, and they were parody, satire, and fun and funny. You were already kind of doing that, and I guess you went strictly just dove right back into that from my recollection for the next year or two. Am I correct on that? Yeah, that that's pretty much it. I think for some reason when Super Deluxe first shut down, yeah, I, I did College Humor for a minute, but there was always this um, – I had major imposter syndrome doing that work for those companies because it sort of fell into my lap under just kind of like a strange chain of events. And I never really had pursued comedy. You know, I've been doing music my whole life, but comedy wasn't something that I ever really strived for. So I I always kind of looked at those jobs as just like day jobs. But then whenever Super Deluxe and College Humor shut down, I had this very strange career path kind of carved out for me. And it's like, okay, what do I do with this skill here that I have? And um, I don't know, there's just something about 2020 where I just was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to do this with my actual face attached and with myself in the videos. Because everything up until that point had been through the umbrella of the Super Deluxe company. And it wasn't like a Nick Lutzko song. It was a Super Deluxe music song. It yeah. work for hire. And so during and then post the pandemic, you created so many different characters and stories that we don't have time to get into all of them or hardly any of them for that matter. They just really took off. Just seeing how something can, you know, re- receive so much attention and traction. And I just saw, you know, a lot of opportunities started opening up and it was like, wow, this feels like a major green light to kind of pursue this thing for a minute. Just, you know, this is coming fresh off the heels of working on swords for three or four years. I was going to say seemingly forever. I remember you talking about putting out that record for so long and it wasn't until, and now 19 feels like so long ago. Um, I know it's crazy. So do you go ahead? Sorry. I was just going to say putting out that record, the, 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 the show signal was a blast, but there was also just this feeling of like, now what it's out there. We don't know who's listening. We don't know how people feel about it. If they are listening. And it was just like very polar opposite experience, writing these songs very quickly, putting them out immediately and then getting all this instant praise and whatever else. So it was, that was just, that's just my long roundabout way to say that is what made me decide to kind of focus on that for a minute. Because I'm sure there had to have been a disappointment level after all those years of put together that record. And then there was a big turnout at the show. Of course, uh, we're talking about the release party in 19. That was also a a Halloween uh, costume party of sorts too. So that always brings out people, whether they love your music or not. It's a big party all the way around. There had to be a major letdown, at least for a, a few minutes going into the year 2020, like others. Or or did you did you know you had something else in your back pocket? How did you just initially make that shift? Was it just easy, or did you think, Jesus Christ, now what? Well, I know, like, you know, we shot the Swords, the Swords album release at the Signal, and we had all this footage, and we'd been kind of, like, crafting the live show for a while, and really our big plan for 2020 was to like get our EPK and try to start breaking into other markets and playing other cities and hit the road. And uh, of course that was out of the question pretty early on into 2020. And it was like, um, all this, you know, it was right at the kind of peak moment where we were ready to kind of like 
start trying to reach out to booking agents and see what all we could do. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, majorly depressing. I remember, you know, I'd like everyone initially it was like, okay, hopefully this is going to blow over a few days and days turned to weeks and hopefully a few months. <laughs> and it just kept going yeah. and going. And really, you know, the, these, these, you know, the songs of the computer stuff that I was doing on Twitter just kind of came about as a, a way to stay sane during crazy times. And it was just, I was just lucky that people enjoyed it. Do you feel like maybe in retrospect, and maybe you haven't even thought about it, but do you feel like that that pivot that you had to make, you might not have done those kinds of things and would have continued just recording and just in support of that record and just seeing where I, I hate to say this, uh, if I refer to it this way, and if I don't mean to be uh, disparaging when I say what your real music, right? Like, yeah, the, no, totally. Do you think that maybe you wouldn't have gone that route and that you would be sitting in a very different place currently in the year 2023 as far as where your success has gotten you? Or, or what do you think? I mean, it, I think it's highly likely that I, I would be in a totally different place if the pandemic had never happened. I think eventually I might have started, ended up doing some of the stuff that I'm doing just because I genuinely really, really enjoy it. People ask me a lot if I, ha if I had a choice just to write the non-comedy music or just strictly the comedy music, which one would I do? And I really think both represent very different aspects of my personality. And I, I, it's a joy to do both. Um, and uh, probably my favorite thing about going out and playing these shows is all, are all the people that come up afterwards and say things like, you know, your, your music got me through the pandemic. Um, these, these songs you're making for Twitter, but then they, you know, I got into swords and your other albums and I love that stuff so much more. So it's been really cool seeing how the comedy stuff has been a gateway to the non-comedy stuff. Sure. And obviously yeah. they, there's, there's almost no way that somebody in Chicago, New York, DC, Philly would, have heard the Swords album if it were not for that. Was that difficult, though, for you? Because I know deep down, we've talked over the years many times, that it seemed like, and you just said imposter syndrome, that that doing some of that comedy stuff, that uh, kind of slapstick stuff, wasn't really where your talents, at least years ago, if I'm speaking out of turn, let me know, wasn't exactly your your focus did that did that grow onto you to a point to where I mean you just did I guess answer the question you you really do take pride and enjoy doing the the silly stuff as well. Yeah, and I think you know if it was if we were talking about it back then it was talking about the stuff I was doing for Super Deluxe, which is where you know I'm combing through you know 30 hours of Donald Trump speeches and turning those into songs. Um, which it's, you know, it's funny and cute. Yeah. Or Khaleesi from game of Thrones where you're, no one really knows who you yeah. are in that instance. They just know they watched something they thought was funny or interesting. Yeah. Or yeah, totally. But the process of making them was a pretty grueling and not a super doesn't sound fun. Um, doesn't sound fun. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't the best, but you know, with these newer songs, I've always tried to find like a unique perspective. And I, I, I do feel like, you know, I did this record swords, which was really just sort of me reflecting on, the, the the whole Trump presidency. I started writing it during 2015 um, when he when he started running, and I put it out 2019. Obviously, the end of 2019, and um, I didn't sit down and say I'm going to write a concept album, but it all just kind of sort sort of ended up being about all the it fell under the same umbrella of life during that time. And the songs are kind of gloomy and dark they are and they I, are and i mean i didn't think of it as a concept album necessarily but every song starts with s if i remember right 
yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. part of the concept or not or whatever, but I never it really thought about. I never really thought about the way. But you are right; it's the exact opposite of all these things that you become so successful uh, recently. Totally, yeah. And and I, you know, as I was working on that album, I was I remember thinking to myself like, this next project, whatever comes next, I want it to be light. I want it to be fun. I, like I did a song, uh, "Grinning Like a Barracuda" before Swords, sure. and I really was like, I want to do something more in the vein of that, that you know can let people forget about things and have more fun. But then the pandemic happened and the next song I did was spineless, which was darker yeah. than, than even swords. And, uh, I realized that this, the songs and the computer stuff that I've been doing, or I was doing on Twitter and YouTube and everything else was a way for me to write about the same things that I just couldn't stop myself from writing, which was my reacting to how insane things are getting and continue to get to this day but kind of patch, packaging it in so, something that doesn't feel as uh, gloomy, I guess. I don't know. I wish I had a better vocabulary. Sure. Like well, we, we don't have time to go through all of it and, and, and reset all of it, but I, I, I lost track of a lot of the, I'll just call them inside jokes on a lot of the stuff that you do because they do seem to kind of be serial in, a, in, a, in the sense that they kind of play off of each other. I know you yeah. well enough. I know your style. I know what you do. I know when funny's funny. I know when good is good. But sometimes I don't get the joke. Um, yeah, do yeah, totally. do you find that to be a challenge? Are you concerned that you could potentially? Maybe that's a Chattanooga thing because they haven't seen it as much, and other cities for some reason have. Has that been a concern that, like, hey man, I could maybe you know put something out here that nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about, and it just sounds like just pure just rubbish. That's totally a part of it and i think some people might even argue that's part of um the appeal to it to you know to some folks but yeah to people who are not in it it probably you know they think they're witnessing uh the <laughs> a mental breakdown of a musician yeah totally <laughs> but like yeah i think that's one thing that we've kind of learned is we have this really really fervent base like pretty pretty hardcore uh base of fans but then the the sort of um spreading the gospel has become a pretty difficult task because there is like, you got to watch these songs in this order and then you got to watch this and then you got to, you know, like it's, there's a, it's some of it. It's, it's, it's trickier just to jump right into, but I think there's also been a lot of people that have jumped in at a certain thing. And they're like, okay, I need to go down this rabbit hole and figure out what all is going on here. So it, yeah, it, it kind of works both ways. For when, sure. when did you get a get an idea, get a feel that you were going to be able to fill up some of these sizable rooms in major cities? Uh, did you were you just poking around all over the country? Because I know I remember it was a while back. Now you had a, a show in Chicago that sold out so quick they threw a second night, and I mean that's not the kind of stuff that people around here, you know, in in Chattanooga, even some of the better, you know bands that we know and have done well don't sell out to the point they add another date that's like the hot country act or taylor swift or you know or somebody who's <laughs> just selling so well that they throw that extra show in there you don't see that very often how did you when did you realize it that you were going to be able to to do that kind of show on that kind of scale in those big of cities not necessarily you're not we're not talking about you're in the uh, you know the apollo or whatever but you're in sizable rooms in large cities yeah yeah man Th that first uh show we did in chicago which turned into two shows and then they ended up moving us to the bigger venue and added a second show to that venue um it was you know i just been kind of keeping an eye on like metrics from like spotify and Bandcamp, like where am i selling 
the most vinyl and where people streaming the most music and Chicago for a while had just kind of like routinely been the number one city. So it was just kind of, it was just a shot in the dark and I had no booking agent. I didn't have any sort of team at that point. It was really just reaching out to venues blindly. I really have no way to prove that we'll do well here, but I have a really strong feeling if you'll take a chance. And this uh, venue Shubas was the first one. I think that was a 250 capacity room. They booked us on, I think, a Friday night, and then that sold out in a couple hours. They added the second night. It sold out in a couple hours. And then uh, we unfortunately had to reschedule those shows because then the Delta variant kind of yeah. hit its peak right around that when we would have been there. So we, we pushed it back a few months. They moved us to the bigger room. That was like a 500 capacity. And then, um, yeah, we sold out both those nights. That is so, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, it was awesome. But I really think a big part of that was just like the timing. I think we announced it at a time where people were just totally ready to get back outside and go to live shows and stuff. And like, it was just very much like the lottery of when you should announce a show. Sure. sure. And plus, because like, I think that show was so the people that bought those tickets have been following along to these, this, this weird, it's almost like a, you know, like a TV series worth of songs that I'd been releasing during the pandemic. And it was like, Oh, the perfect way to celebrate the end of this pandemic is to go see these weird songs I've been following. Of course. But then just like we were just talking about, if you just like a TV show, if you just start watching the fourth episode, it's like, yeah, yeah, what the hell is going on here? So let's talk about that vinyl. You, uh, the first songs on the computer you released, you did a crowdsourcing, for both that and the second, I have them both. By the way, in case you didn't know, oh, awesome, know. dude! Yeah, um, no, that's awesome. They those things exploded. You you reached your goal in what seemed like hours, if not less, and were able to spin out some gorgeous looking vinyl. You did that twice with the songs on the computer, right? Yeah, I think it was something crazy, like forty five minutes or something, like to an hour, something like that. Yeah, it was uh, really mind blowing and very cool. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what led us to where we are today with this company needle juice that does indie it's an indie vinyl uh record label needle juice and, like uh, needle on a record needle juice exactly yeah 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 well i got the I, se- yeah, I got the second vinyl um that's just songs on the computer too right yeah more songs on the computer more songs on the computer i got that yeah. one also and i forgot that one that I, that oh, I yeah. bought it, and it that, took that one took a while to ship, if I remember right. And I walked that up. One, it was uh, yeah, it was kind of a nightmare. It, it got delayed over and over and over again because it, it was all quality control issues. Well, somehow, and I'm sure that was with the uh, supply chain. There's a vinyl shortage. It's a shortage on everything. But I remember walking home, and it was sitting on the front porch, and it, I was like, I have not bought anything. I certainly First haven't bought a. a I, I haven't bought label. a. I haven't bought a vinyl record at any time, have I? And then I opened up like, oh hell. I've got that one too, but by I'm I'm telling you yeah. though, by the time I got to that second one, I I was lost on the jokes. I didn't get them all. Um, even like the Irishman, I still don't really even <laughs> understand what that is. I just love it, and I don't even. It's I don't even know how it came together. I, you kind of lost me as far as like exactly chronological order. A little past Grandma, and a little past Don, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bonjingo or whatever. Once I think it, a lot of the comedy is so absurd that sometimes there might not even be something to get, <laughs> you know, like it's like that's kind of a part of it is I think it, like inherently, even if you have everything, you're like, wait, this guy's talking about man, men in the tunnels under his grandma's house very casually. Now, yeah. where, where did I miss? Where did that come from? Like that kind of stuff does coming out. And I think it's just kind of like a 
a testament to this character's mental state more than anything. So you were talking about booking agents and those kinds of things and, and teams and uh, people that help you uh, that, that put all this together. I know your bandmates do a lot for you as far as the recording process goes. Um, do you have a social media team? Do you have a booking agent? Do you have somebody where you don't have to sit around and post on Twitter all the time or keep up with the YouTube page? Do you have that kind of staff in, in place? I don't for social media. Like I still do all my social media stuff, but I do have a manager and I do have a booking agent and it's, you know, that's, that's the only reason we've been able to play these rooms that we've been able to play on this last tour. And, uh, it's been, it's, you know, it's just crazy how much of playing live music, booking shows is just having, uh, the contacts. Otherwise, like, you know, like I said, we, we booked those shows in Chicago and just by, you know, like a strike of lightning, a a stroke of luck, those people took a chance on us and, you know, we sold that many tickets, but like, you don't know how many people I reached out to that either said no, sorry, or didn't get back to me at all. Well, you're persistent. Um, that's for sure. And you've always been very good at the, the marketing and, and, and getting yourself out there. It's hard. It's crazy to imagine the first time we were doing a, you know, you did a gig with me on the radio was over seven years ago now. Um, yeah, it is crazy. Man. Time flies no matter whether you're having any fun or not. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah. the only thing of all the jokes I got to understand a little bit more, just just real quick. Where yeah. where in the world did the Gremlins thing come from? Where you, there was going to be a Gremlins three, and you're the one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that one might be an old joke now. I never understood where that came from, and it just kept popping up, and I just went along with it as if I knew. Yes, yeah. Well, that's yeah. So I did the where did the Gremlins song, and in that song, I pitch a version of um, Gremlins three. What what Gremlins three could be, and I talk about how. Uh, imagine there's a film where Gizmo becomes a gremlin who teaches the other gremlins about democracy and philosophy. They develop a country. They call it Gremlin Nation. They ban all immigration. They have genocidal tendencies. Also, oh, um, geez, I've messed it up. Giz- Gizmo ends up having a son with Jennifer Aniston in the song. All right. And, uh, all right. I missed My that. wife made me, she's, she's really good at like costuming and makeup, and she made me a gremlin costume for Halloween that year. And uh, in the video, I just didn't think about it at all just recorded myself in two seconds just saying the first thing that came to my head which was hi everybody i'm desmond the gremlin human hybrid son of gizmo and jennifer anderson gremlins 3 dawn of desmond's coming to theaters and uh from there i just you know i this joke still has it's i mean it may i'm beating it with a horse to (laughs) beating it like a horse to this day it's still you know he's a you know he, he flew out to la with us when we played roxy last year and he was our hype man. Clearly, it's working for you. Have you seen any metrics that are showing anything internationally? Have you seen anything? This this is the kind of thing to me that screams of some kind of underground cult thing in Dublin or <laughs> something like that. Uh, have you have well, you seen any of that kind of metrics? I was talking about how Chicago was the number one city on my Spotify, and it just recently um, started getting passed by London. So you know the thing the you know the, the really it's you know I hate to be like a bummer when you know it's uh, on on paper it's like dream come come true getting to go play these incredible venues for the amount of people that we're playing with but like the sad reality is like it's really tough to like turn you know we're, we're turning a profit but to make it worth everyone's time you know when you ha- when you're traveling with six people and you're renting airbnbs and you're renting vans and we all have kids at home and all that so like it's hard enough just doing these kind of like you know east united states coastal united states type cities like but like traveling to 
the UK. Is, well, it's still the know. it's still the music business, and it's still brutally uh, just difficult beyond uh, just those words. I, going to that, uh, I'll ask. So your your band, you've got Greasy. I'm sure he's got some things in Chattanooga that are his portion. I don't know. He's married with a child, if I remember right. You got him, oh, yeah. Adam Brown, who plays in every band that's ever he's even met before. Uh, he's actually was he was just played with Strong a few dates this last weekend. I knew that he was doing some uh, some work with Strong, and then um, and then John's got his whole uh, life here too. Have you had trouble yeah. getting every you know getting? Uh, you kind of just said you have met that has been a a, a difficulty, um, but um, so far so I good, would, I guess. I, I mean, the, the last tour was amazing, and we all had a blast. Um, like the reason we did it when we did it is because it was John spring break. He's a school teacher. Yeah. Um, so we have that to work with. We have the summer to work with and we have weekends, but you know, we always have so much fun wherever we go, but I think, uh, it takes so much time to, to plan and to promote. And just as far, you know, I have so, I wear so many different hats Yeah. and you know, like with the time that I, put into planning these tours and going on the road and that are times that I could be writing my next album or putting out songs on YouTube or working on any of the other projects that I'm working on. And just monetarily when I'm looking at that pie, it doesn't necessarily make the most sense to dedicate big chunks of time to, to traveling. So sure. Well, I'll get um, you, I'll get you out of here in just a minute. I've already kept you longer than I planned. Uh, I've enjoyed, I'm enjoying it very much. Um, I know you got to get out of here shortly. One thing I did want to mention is the artwork from both the uh, songs of the computer from a uh, oh, lo- yeah. local guy, Travis Knight, a guy I'm not, I think I've only met and that's about as far as it goes. I'd love to have him on one of these days. That's some incredible yeah. work. Is he, is that something that he reach out to you? You reach out to him. Is he going to be like, kind of, I mean, you, if I don't know how much familiar you are with the drive by truckers, but they have their own in-house artist who does all their work. I'm sure. Many other bands oh, yeah. do the same thing. Is that something that you'll continue to collaborate with? Oh, so I'd love to keep working with Travis. Um, I, I reached out to him because I was a big fan of the work that he had done uh, for the Chattanooga film fest for years. And then actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess what finally connected us was I did a, um, a like a, a sideshow remix, one of the sword songs with uh, Summer Dregs, Carl. Yeah. And Carl. He, uh, he brought Travis in to do the artwork for that. And then not long after that was the songs of the computer. And he did the art for both of those. And I think I've had him do the art for almost like I just had him do the artwork for this recent tour we did where we're all superheroes. He's done a ton of stuff, man. Yeah, and I love his work, and I'm excited. I'm sure we'll continue to work together for a long time. So the shows you've been doing, again, quickly, the shows you've been doing the last uh, year and a half or so, have those been, I tried to do a quick set list search, and I just didn't I didn't find it. Do you do a, a, a mix of your, again, I'll call them real songs, with with your parody satire comedy, again, for lack of a necessarily better way of putting it? Is it or has it been heavier one way or the other? It's definitely like that. There was a ton of like brain power that went into like, okay, there's going to be people from both worlds coming to these shows. And how do we craft this set to where we don't disappoint either of them? And I think the kind of uh, the, the way we did that is the is the songs, the computer songs, which, you know, the, the more comedic stuff, which are sometimes under two minutes long. It was trying to really open them up. And, and you know, I, I think that's the big thing about those songs to begin with, is I always approach them as how can I write a really great, catchy song, first and foremost, before the joke, before anything else. Well, yeah, you got to so, have a hook. You got to have a hook. 
Yeah, totally. So it was really just trying to like treat them, you know, cause like, and I also just recorded all that very quickly myself. didn't have a band on any of those recordings. So I really truthfully, almost all of those songs we do live, I think the live versions are better than the recorded versions just because of what the band brings to the table, just because of the jokes we're able to work into the show. Um, and just how we're able to really extend and actually like have like real, you know, sincere and sometimes even like emotional resolution with some of these songs just because of what we're able to do instrumentally um, and extending them or whatever. But yeah, the, the show is a pretty perfect mix. I think if you look at the set list, we're playing more comedy songs, but that's just because I think they're shorter for the most part. Like I think if you were just to like look at it time-wise, I think it's pretty evenly split between swords and the non-comedy stuff. Well, and it's and, the freshest material currently anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I just put out the first non-comedy song since 2020 called obituary last month and we play that every night it's one of the few songs we played every night on this tour oh is that release i I can find it on spotify or somewhere like that yeah 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 man it's um yeah it's uh and hoping to start releasing more uh non-comedy stuff pretty consistently this year i will definitely check that uh tune out as i have not heard it yet let's jump back to the beginning of our conversation and talk about the show at the signal on may 2nd um, it looks like it's a short set, though. It's an early set. Seven o'clock, I think, is kind of a meet and greet show and show around. And then you've got about an hour, according to the website. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. And really, that's we were thinking about. Like we were looking at. It's like uh, this is going to be such a weird because people are going to be treating it like a meet and greet. They're not going to see a concert per se. Um, like it's like you kind of touched on all the stuff that we were already thinking about. Like people yeah. are gonna be confused. They come and we're playing these weird songs. They don't know the context. It's not necessarily our audience and the easy answer was like, well, it's an hour long show. We have swords, which is an hour of music. Let, and we did the swords album release three and a half years ago. It just kind of all lined up. It's like, yeah, let's just play swords and it'll be a blast for us. And hopefully the people that came specifically for that will love it. And then the people that, don't know what's going on can also not have to be worried about what am i watching what so, is this? so this uh, this show are you saying there will be none of that uh of of the the, the funnier stuff fun stuff or, or that's or correct yeah we're just it's a, the thing is that every i sorry this is going so long but this no, um this uh this tour man was grueling just because we have so much music that we really enjoy playing and um this was the first time We've we've done five nights pretty much back to back, and it's impo- it's been impossible for me to do a show without losing my voice by the end of it, just because I'm screaming my head off during oh, all the songs. Wow. So it, we were looking at the set list and we're like, okay, we usually do sometimes we do about two and a half hours worth of music, and it was looking at the set list and thinking uh, we need to cut this down significantly so we can preserve my voice a little bit. And we, we were like, okay, which songs do we know we want to play every night? And we prepared about fifty songs to try to cycle through every night and we we tried to trim it down to which songs we want to play every night and it was like 20 songs <laughs> it's like okay that's already probably pushing two hours it's just been incredibly tricky because uh, we really try to make every show very unique to whichever city we're playing in and you know i mean it's the same thing that bands have been doing for years you know trying to make each show a unique experience and a unique set list and all that well and that's uh, and that's that's rare um especially on the mainstream circuit outside of the jam community it is very rare to find something that is a unique crafted experience uh, based on where you're at nothing annoys me more and it's very industry standard the you know the same set list every night kind of thing i mean i yeah. uh, that's always annoyed the hell out of me but that's what most bands do so when you find 
something more unique than that. It certainly is uh, really cool. Nick, we talked about 10, 15, 20 minutes. Maybe we've gone longer than that, and I'm, I'm happy to do it. I'm, I, I know the, I, I'd love to think that all the listeners love it as well. I know you got to get out of here in a few minutes, but uh, thank you so much for catching up. I will see you on uh, on Tuesday night, March, March May 2nd, at the uh, the brand's opening, opening, reopening of the signal. I haven't been in the room yet. I don't know what it looks like. I have uh, high hopes. I think it's going to be uh, one hell of a night. Likewise, man. Yeah, we haven't we haven't been either, but we're very excited. And I, I will just say very quickly, you know, you kind of gave me the opportunity to say this earlier, but I think just through talking, I think I've fleshed out the, the, what I was trying to say a little sure. bit better. In that, like, you know, we're we're super excited to do the sword set just because it's, you know, kind of a celebration of like picking up where we left off last time we did something really big in Chattanooga and, and, you know, right along the timing of releasing this vinyl and this kind of resurgence for this album. Um, but we do intend to hopefully sooner than later book a show that is the same show that we've been doing on this tour, which is the mix of the comedy and the non-comedy songs with all the theatrics and video and all that stuff. Um, just haven't really, locked in a date or a time or whatever but sure. surely that'll they'll come eventually. i i hope chattanooga would embrace that i'm afraid that for some reason they might not and and i when i say they i don't even know uh what i mean by they it's just such a strange city again i love it you love it we don't need to preface it i don't i talk this city on this show a lot everybody knows i'm a big fan but there's a lot of things i don't like about it as well and i i i wonder if there's just a piece missing here locally for some reason i hope that's not true i know it's going to be a big night because it's free and good lord we know chattanooga people can't wait to do something for free um, so it's, it's going to be a big time, but I would, I would love to see one of those, uh, cause I see the video clips on YouTube that people, you know, that your fan clips, I mean, there's only yeah, so much yeah. you can, there's only so much you can get out of a, somebody's crappy cell phone coverage. So I would, yeah, yeah. I would love to see it myself and hopefully you'll be able to do that sooner than later, but whatever it is you do, oh. I remember, I think I remember talking to you early on saying, um, and thinking that maybe you wouldn't agree with me that like. I think I see your future in some of this silly shit, and not, not because <laughs> yeah, yeah, your yeah. not because your music isn't good, just because I'm just looking at the you know the reaction. I'm just looking at the the metrics, and um, yeah, knowing totally. you as such a serious songwriter, I'm not sure if that's what you wanted here at the time. But clearly, you've you found out how it works, and um, and. I, 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 I can't wait and I, I know others I know many countless others and anybody listening to this show can't wait I hope it just goes further on than that but uh, we'll see you uh, Tuesday either way and thank you so much for your time today man hey thank you Brian it's really great talking again man you too Nick thanks a lot and uh, yeah I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed putting it together might have had a little too much fun but um anyway thanks to nick let's go and the show is tuesday the grand opening of the signal on the choo-choo campus he will be playing the swords album in its entirety uh, around eight o'clock and this is all pretty sharp time seven to eight is kind of a meet and greet look around kind of thing eight to nine is the show the album front to back and it is open to the public and free of charge zero dollars and zero cents will get you in the door. This is my favorite song from that record, Swords. It is the final track on the record called Software. I appreciate you guys so much. We'll do it again next week, the first Thursday in May. Y'all have a good one. See you later. Bye.